Hello and welcome to Called Bank Sports. Today we are going to get into the discussion who, if any, players on the Jazz team would be able to win the MVP. So they've started off as of the recording. We are 21 and 5, which is absolutely insane. It is the best franchise start in history for the Utah Jazz. So Super excited. We just hit 400 subscribers this morning. Please hit that like button, subscribe. We're on a we're on path to hopefully hit 500 subscribers by the end of February. So please help us get there. That would be awesome. So when it comes to the MVP award, um, to be straightforward, the only jazz player who fits the archetype of the MVP as th- that when looking at the award is Donovan Mitchell. He's the one who fits it the closest, but there are some other great discussions to be had about the jazz players and who they, um, and why they could be the most valuable player on the team, even if they couldn't win that award in the NBA. So Dale, what are, what's your thought on Donovan Mitchell and the possibility of him winning the MVP this year? I, I think it's a long shot, but Obviously, like when your team is doing good, the best player on that team is um, well. As as far and we're going to talk about who who is the most valuable. We'll get into that. But if you ask anyone, like Donovan Mitchell is the first name to come to mind. So obviously, if the Jazz continue doing good, he will get a boost. He'll probably get some votes. Uh, what I'm seeing though is, and the reason why I'm thinking it's unlikely, is because how the Jazz play, you're not. They don't need 25 points plus a game from Donovan Mitchell every single night. Uh, there's some games that they do, and he brings it. But so I think he's just going to have off games as far as stat wise, and so I think that's uh, really what's going to hold him back from winning an MVP as far as yeah. this season. Like last night um, against the Milwaukee Bucks, he shot 30% from the field, one of nine from three, um, but was still able to get. 25 points up or 25 or 26 points up without hurting the team and was able to dish out eight assists. So Donovan, one of the reasons it would be really hard for him to win the MVP is because he's so selfless and willing to not get his so that the jazz can win on any given night. And you have other players where the system is literally just designed around them getting theirs. And so when the Utah jazz are set up in a way where the goal is to shoot and make threes, and it doesn't matter if it's Donovan shooting it or Royce O'Neal or Ingles or Conley or Clarkson or Nyang. I mean, that's just not a team that's set up to win an MVP. So I really think that the only way that he'd be in the discussion um, and like actually have a chance is if the Jazz went and won like 60 games this year. Because if they were, I mean, a 60 game season is insane when you play 82 games. And when currently the jazz are on pace to play 71, if the wizards game doesn't get rescheduled, if you win 60 games this year, that would be absolutely bonkers. That would be up there as one of the best seasons in NBA history. In my opinion, if, if that happened in that stretch from, um, what was it there? They're like, what was, it was a four and four start. Yeah. You exclude that, that stretch from here to the end. That would be probably a better win percentage than any stretch for like the Jordan Bulls during their 72 win season. And yeah, that'd be insane. 
So, I mean, we don't want to get down on the Jazz. That's not the reason for this episode. And one reason why it would be hard for Donovan, and Dale and I were talking a bit about this before we started recording, is Donovan plays at a superstar level, in my opinion, but Donovan is not a superstar. And what I mean by that is I do think a superstar has to transcend the game of basketball. Because if I ask my older sister, who really isn't that into sports, who LeBron James is, she'd at least um, like recognize the name. And she does recognize Donovan Mitchell because we're from Utah. But you're not going to get that casual fan or casual, not even close to a fan to know who Donovan Mitchell is like you are other players who have recently won the MVP. Like Giannis is getting to be a household name. Westbrook, as much as I don't think he deserves it, is much closer to that level than Donovan Mitchell. James Harden, same. Um, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Derrick Rose at the time, um, obviously, he's fallen off the face of the earth to, due to his injuries. Kobe Bryant. And I feel like you have to go back all the way to 06, 07 for a su- to get some superstars, some players who played at a superstar level but weren't superstars in Dirk Nowitzki in 06, 07. And then this is... <laughs> Not the nicest thing to play about Steve Nash, who is arguably the second best point guard in NBA history. Um, who, and even in his back-to-back MVP seasons, where I don't really think he's ever been a superstar, but he's definitely played at that level. Yeah, and that makes sense uh, because, like, I, there's two ways, like how you're defining superstar. I guess there's two ways to define it. Basketball fans like to define superstar as as far as skill uh, level of play. And so that's why uh, a lot of jazz fans like to consider Donovan Mitchell superstar because he's playing like one, but, but how you're defining it is uh, really, it's like superstar is just popularity. And it's, if, if they have a brand or, or their name means something beyond basketball fans, that's 100% true because no one on the jazz has that level of popularity um, my wife, she's a Warriors fan, and then we'll watch a jazz game, and she doesn't know any of the players just because they're they're not that popular in the general public. And I mean, the MVP is a popularity contest. It's a popularity and a story contest because Giannis is an is an amazing story. Um, I mean, going from selling trinkets on the streets in Greece to getting the super the, to getting the third or fourth supermax extension in NBA history. And when um, he's just absolutely amazing. And Steph Curry just completely revolutionized basketball and is going to really impact. Like, well, I don't think we've seen his impact yet. I think Trey Young, we're going to look at the league in six, seven years, and Trey Young's going to be considered an average three point shooter. And we'll, <laughs> we'll also even look at the Jazz right now. We would not be shooting as many threes if it weren't for Steph Curry. If he no. never happened, then then we'd have a completely different, more traditional basketball team. Yeah. And that gets us to the second um, leg of our MVP discussion, which is um, more the val- most valuable coach, which is Quinn Snyder. Since I, the story that I've heard, and this is from David Locke, Voice of the Jazz, is that after the ja- um, after the Jazz OKC game was canceled, and then all of a sudden the whole NBA season was postponed, um, that Quinn Snyder went to the drawing board and looked at what was the best way to play basketball. And 
he came up with the goal of trying to shoot about 40% of your shots as threes, which if you go look at the bubble, the jazz definitely had took an increased volume of three pointers. And it's been crazy to see what the jazz have been able to do as they try to get their volume up there. If they stick with it, I believe last night hurt this average a bit, but they're averaging 16 or 17 threes a game. If they keep that up, that would blow the 2018 Golden State Warriors out of the water with mo- the most threes made per game. They'd end up with beating them by like four or five three-pointers, which, yeah, there's some stuff. And last night what the Bucks did is in the second half, they said, we're not going to let the Jazz shoot threes. And so the Jazz weren't shooting threes. But then Gobert went and torched them on the inside. So... While that number is going to come back down to earth, not because the Jazz can't shoot it that well, but because teams are going to try to stop them. I mean, what Quinn has done, he's been an amazing coach ever since he got here. But man, the way he's revolutionizing the way the Jazz shoot the three ball is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that's and and we've we've like sung praises to Quinn oftentimes on this channel, uh, and it's just because. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but we were just talking about how awesome the culture is with the Jazz. And obviously you need players who buy into that culture, but it's it's really the coach. And I think in this case, it, it is the coach who really creates that. Um, and and so that's awesome for the Jazz. Uh, I don't know. I, I could keep talking about Quinn. When he was hired, I thought he was, he was an awesome hire. And obviously the Jazz have had up and down years, but they've always been good with him, so... And it's it's cool to see him trying something new because a lot of people would view him as more of a traditional coach. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think he's a huge part of the Jazz success this year. Yeah, I, without him, I mean, I don't know where the Jazz would be. Obviously, t- um, Jerry Salone is one of the best coaches of all time, and Ty Corbin was never put in a p- position to succeed. But that hire and just being able to watch this era has been that something just so special as a jazz fan. So I'm super excited to see where where he goes. But so here's my question. So obviously there can be the most valuable player in the league. And then there's the most valuable player on a team. And I do think it's funny how sometimes when you look at it um it's not the same. Like you can have the most valuable player on in the league and then the most valuable player on the team is not the one who just won the MVP. So I have my take on this, and I haven't asked you this question yet, Dale, but what Jazz player would you be most worried to see um, go out for 12 games? Rudy Gobert. And and I think that sounds kind of funny because beforehand we were talking about how, oh, uh, like, if if he only wants a Supermax, the Jazz should trade him, but... Uh, and I think that, I was not well, saying well, that, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe well, I kind of well, went there, we, we, we said like it, we'd rather like because we, we kind of said we don't want him to sign the supermax, and I think because we both kind of agreed we, we wish he signed for a little less. But after analyzing it, we realized okay, this is this is a good deal for the Jazz. And after watching him play, he is the anchor of everything they do. Obviously, a lot of his stuff isn't showing on the box score, but because he's there it allows the Jazz to do everything else. So if he's gone, like, at least we have Derek Favors, which is something, but I I don't, I can't see the Jazz. The Jazz are probably going to, like, if he's gone and they're playing tough games, they're going, like, 
500 is like the best I could see them winning at, at that point. Yeah. And this is nothing against Derek Favors. If Derek Favors had to start in place of Gobert for a few games, I would, I, I know that that would hurt the Jazz, and since you can't just replace Rudy Gobert, but Derek Favors would do quite well. My concern would be the um, 12 to 14 minutes that Favors couldn't be on the court, mm-hmm. especially with Doak um, spraining his ankle in the G League this week. So I just um, would be really concerned about who would back up Favors. But Jordan I, Clarkson, Jordan, Clarkson. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson has the heart to do it. And, and his defense has improved. I'm not sure if he has the defensive ability to do that, but I totally agree. The jazz, the way they play defense is to, you know, just sell out on the three and funnel people to go bear. And that works the way that the way they play offense is to get, um, run a pick and roll, get into the paint, let the defender either sell out on Gobert and then you get a layup or let the defender sell out, um, sell out on you and you dish it to Gobert. And they typically always sell out on Gobert, which is why Gobert is averaging so few points because they're more confident in you missing in the ball handler, missing a shot than they are in Gobert missing a shot or it gets kicked. And that's what Gobert does so well is he pulls everyone inward. And then all of a sudden, Wide open corner three. If the, even if that shot's not wide open, they pass it straight up to above the break, and you have another wide open shot. So, Go Bear's ability to pass out of the pick and roll and just distribute, even when they're not going on the box score as assist, is what gives the Jazz offense the potency that it has. Yeah, and it. It is something that you really need to dig deep into the film to appreciate what Gobert does for the team. Because uh, just watching the game, I, I feel like even just watching the game once through, even if you're paying close attention, it's it's tough to catch every little thing that Gobert does to anchor the team. And obviously, this isn't to like put anyone else on the team down because everyone else on the team is doing their part. Uh, obviously, they're hitting the shots. They're making good passes. They're there's they're starting to play really good perimeter defense as well. Even players who you traditionally don't see as defenders. Like I feel like Jordan Clarkson is an improved defender this year. Obviously he's not like a lockdown, but, um, but it, it is true. If Gobert's gone, they're kind of like a seven, eight seed at their best. I feel like even, yeah. even with how good Mitchell is and everyone else on the team. And the thing is we have data points, not this season for Gobert being gone, but we have data points for losing a wing. We have data points for Joe Ingles not being in a few games, for um, Mike Conley not being in a few games, and for Donovan not playing in two games. And we've seen that the Jazz are able to win when they lose one of those vital pieces just because they have more depth at that position. So it's really just like what we've seen is that defensively when Gobert is not on the court, it hurts. And... We've seen that the Jazz can lose a wing player and still win games and play at a high level of basketball. Yeah, and and it makes sense because what we've been seeing in the box score as well is sometimes Conley's the one who scores 20-plus. Sometimes like Bogdanovich is, sometimes Ingles is, some, uh, Clarkson almost always is. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's always someone who can fill in that role, and it's not like lose, like, 
in, in a game against a team like the Celtics or the Lakers, you want Donovan Mitchell there. Like, if he's gone, I feel like it's a tough win. But against a lot of the other teams, any of those players can step up and, and kind of fill in his scoring if needed. But, yeah, like you said, no one... Like, even if even if it's the player has the heart and the ability, no one has the size to to do what Gobert can do. So definitely, yeah, I agree one hundred percent. And so Gobert is definitely the most valuable player, like just on the roster from that perspective. Now, if I were to have to give an MVP to the season, um, I know who I'd give it to so far, but I I'll be interested to hear kind of Dale, like who would you choose as an MVP of the season up to this point? Um. As far as like the most valuable player on the Jazz, um, just uh, for, for just or, like or, for the NBA, ha- um, not for the for the Jazz. Like they've def- they've found another level this year. So like, who's the most valuable player to them finding that new level? Uh, okay. <clears throat> um, I'd say I don't know. I feel like a lot of players kind of fit into it. I'm I'm debating between Clarkson and Conley. But yeah. I feel like we saw what Clarkson was doing last year and Conley, like he, he made the biggest difference in that regard. So I, I would say Conley for that. Agreed. I think that um, he's been insane. I was trying to find some plus minus stats because, and I'll quote the article. Um, there's a Deseret News article um, talking about the All-Star game by Sarah Todd. And the stat that she quote, um, and I believe she published this article Thursday is that Mike Conley has the best plus minus in the NBA. I couldn't find that stat specifically, but that's insane. Just the fact that when Mike Conley is, and I believe the stat is when Mike Conley's on the floor, he gives this much um, positive points to the Jazz. And when he's off the floor, there's this many negative points. And the fact that he has that highest stat in the NBA just shows how much his game has been able to change as he's got more used to being in Utah and to Quinn Snyder's system because last season was rough and there are multiple reasons why, but seeing him be able to come to his own this year and be honestly the second option I feel like on offense for the jazz is something that's just crazy. And while Clarkson has definitely had an amazing sixth man season and he's definitely I mean, a very valuable player for the Jazz. I would say that the sixth man award is the most valuable player off the bench. So at the very minimum, I believe the Jazz are going to win this. um, The awards that the Jazz are going to win are Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year, most valuable player off the bench. Quinn Snyder, coach of the year, which is most valuable coach. And I have a really hard time seeing Rudy not win most valuable defensive player of the year. Um, or DPOI. So I just really have a hard time. Like the jazz have just played so amazingly that if they don't win those awards, I'll be shocked. So so what you're saying is that the jazz are the most valuable team, right? No, no Forbes did their (laughs) list again. And the Knicks are still worth like $5 billion because the worst they've had a better season, but blows my mind how money works in this league. But I do think that the Jazz honestly have the most special team in the NBA right now. And playoff time is going to be big because what what teams that aren't putting their heart and soul into their games right now are going to be able to come out and just 
lighted up in ways that they haven't done up to this point in the season is always an interesting question, but the jazz are definitely showing me that they're going to be able to play. And as long as they don't fall into somehow, like get into a weird matchup where you have like the Lakers fall to the four seed. Um, I see them making the Western conference finals guaranteed right now. I'd put my money down on that. (laughs) And well, with that, like, so last week we really dug into why we think the Jazz are contenders. We addressed a lot of the concerns that people had. And I feel like the Jazz have been proving us right so far with that video, which is awesome. Um, but we've we've still been getting a lot of questions about the Lakers game. What do we think about the Lakers game? How, are, how do the Jazz match up with the Lakers? And so the Jazz don't play the Lakers until the 24th, which is uh, like a week and a half away. Yeah. But I'm curious, like... Uh, I kind of want to dig a little deeper into that Lakers game. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think any of us have done like extensive re- research on it, but the more I've been watching the Jazz, the more I'm thinking that the Jazz match up well with the Lakers and they can beat them. But I'm I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on that regard? And like, uh, what do you think some key factors are would be in that game? Rudy Gobert on um, Anthony Davis and Royce O'Neal on LeBron James. I believe that the Jazz, that those two defensive players are capable of slowing them down enough that as long as the Jazz don't have an atrocious night on the offensive end, that they'll be able to win. It, I mean, Davis has definitely moved more into a center role on the Lakers, and he's not playing outside as much. I'll be interested to see if they switch that up to try to quote unquote expose Rudy Gobert on the perimeter. I don't think that's as much of a thing as people think it is. And if you watch him play, yes, it's really easy to watch the highlights of the other team against Rudy Gobert having some issues on the perimeter. But there are some low lights on that on the perimeter. Just when Rudy Gobert's closing out at you, I mean, even if he's 10 feet away, you have to get that shot up at a higher angle. So he's been able to, he does play pretty well on the perimeter and he plays better than, I mean, who would I rather have guarding someone on the perimeter, Steph Curry or um, Rudy Gobert? I'd rather have Rudy Gobert out there. So I'll be interested to see. It's going to be a big game for the Jazz. And I think the I think they're going to play the best possible Lakers team. I don't think you're going to get the Lakers team who's trying to sleepwalk against Detroit and winning it in double overtime or however many overtime times it was. Yeah, and... I think that's a good point. Be, like the Lakers do have Marcus Gasol, but he's not going to see a large volume of shots, even against the Jazz. Um, I, if he did, that may be a difference maker. But also with Anthony Davis, um, like he's the thirty percent three point shooter this year, and so like he can hit them. And like in the playoffs, we saw him hit that buzzer. Or, I don't know if it's the bubble or the playoffs, but it's sometime in the bubble. He hit that buzzer beater from three, which was like an awesome shot. But at the same time, I feel like if if that's the Lakers' strategy coming in to put Anthony Davis in the corner and force Gobert to kind of move outside, move outside of the paint, if I was the Jazz, I would just have Gobert play off of him. And if they if they're relying on Anthony Davis to hit threes in that case, then if he hits them, then that's how the Jazz lose. Oh well, but statistically, the Jazz would win in that case. Yeah. I mean, you could put 
someone like Joe or Bojan on him. And that's enough. And they have enough size. I believe they're both listed at six, eight to be able to at least bother him in the corner. So I'll be super interested to see. And the jazz aren't adverse to trying to put a really small guy um, on a larger player. I believe they were trying to guard Jokic with Bojan, which I don't think we'll ever see again after the nuggets had that historic shooting night. But I, that's just crazy to me. Like, we look at it, we look at the schedule, and we know that we're playing the Clippers twice this upcoming week, and that's going to be hard, and we might drop one. Um, I think we'll beat the Heat tonight, so come watch that post game with me tonight after the game. But um, I just really have a hard time seeing the Jazz going into the break, not the two or three seed, like worst-case scenario. And depending on how the Lakers play, they could still be, I think they're half a game ahead of the Lakers. So they could still be ahead of the Lakers going into the break, which would just be mind-boggling to me. Yeah, this, I feel like this season started to like pan out and be really exciting. I felt like it, like it started off and everyone was rusty and like there was just no good teams out there because at first we were like, oh dang, like the Jazz are awful. Like what are they doing? And then you look at the standings, and you're like, oh, everyone's awful right now. And but now now you're seeing some teams that are like really coming out and playing awesome and it's awesome to see that the jazz are like the front runners of them so if you had told if you had told me after the um loss to the new york knicks that when the jazz were four and four that they would be 21 and five i don't think i could have believed you like yeah they haven't played it hasn't been a gauntlet like these next few games are but they've beat the bucks twice and they've beat the clippers once and they've had to play teams who are giving them their best shot. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see where the Jazz go. And thank you so much for watching this for watching today, guys. In the comments below, let us know who your most valuable player on the Jazz is. Just give us your best argument and also let us know why you're excited for the Lakers game. So thank you so much and go Jazz!